Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... Welcome to Hey Arnold Hey. This is Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And this is a this is a podcast where we talk in a way too much detail about a 90s cartoon and we find out that there's a little football head in all of us. Thanks Craig Bartlett. Um, thanks Jim Lang for some great music. Uh, a couple other things. Emily Okada does our design for our website which is heyarnoldhey.com. You can find us on iTunes. Rate and review please please please. And we've gotten some emails, which, by the way, please email us, uh, hey.heyarnoldhey at gmail.com. Um, we've gotten a couple, yeah, kind of fun emails, just like little shout outs, I guess. Sweet and thoughtful, mm-hmm. I think is a nice way to describe yes, them. Yes, yes. A little critique in there, too, which we really appreciate. Yeah, we appreciate the critique. Who? Uh, what are their names again? Uh, Katie and Alex are the two ladies that Hi. emailed us. Thank you, ladies, for the nice emails and the thoughtful ones, too. Um so this week we're talking about uh, uh, the spelling bee and pigeon man, and uh, next week we're going to be doing hopefully cross your fingers uh, Helga's makeover and um, the old uh, the old building uh, with a guest, which was one of the critiques that we had in one of the emails. More ladies on more the show. ladies, please. Yeah, um, we agree with the more ladies comment too. Yeah, mainly because we're two dudes talking about. Helga's existence and eventually that gets old I think um, it I, maybe doesn't do her do justice yeah I mean I, I'm trying to figure out if there's anything we've said that's been like hurtful hurtful or I like, don't think hurtful but I think to hear a woman's voice talk about a woman always sounds and feels good a more full perspective on, yeah. on this character I think is going to be helpful um, yes yeah, so you can find the you can find these episodes on Hulu plus um, yeah, or scrounge around the internet, I guess. Maybe on YouTube, find it illegally. I don't know. Good luck, I, I guess. Um, okay, so is there anything else that I'm forgetting? No, but I just wanted to say a quick thing. So I just dove into Reddit for the first time today in preparing for this, which is an insane wor- world for fans to mm. like dip their toe in. And it was it Gross. blew my mind. Well, no, toes. You dip your toes in like oh, a lake like and a pool. pool. Yeah, it, which pool, is like pool. relaxing. It's a nice thing. Um, but but Reddit didn't was not relaxing. <laughs> it was the opposite no, 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 no. <laughs> I feel like I like went in the past and the future simultaneously, which felt fucking crazy. <laughs> and because it has like this, and then it, so oh, it's a whole thing. So then I was reading an old forum from Nickelodeon from like 1999, but then also reading Reddit from like 2005, which looked almost exactly the same. Yeah, it was very very strange. So, um, yeah, technology is a strange world. Yeah. But, yeah, so there was an interesting bit about an episode we're going to talk about on here. So if you guys want to get nerdier than us, Reddit is the place to go, no, probably. Not nerdier, but, like, more fanboy, I think. The, it's like, more fanboy and, like, potentially darker, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, I don't, I, I, tell, you tell me, I haven't looked at this these Reddit threads or, or online you know, chat room boards. I'm hardly yet. an expert. Okay. Well, what I'm assuming is that they're not necessarily doing like 
like social research and be like, see, this is what they're saying. They're doing more of like, this is our crazy fan theory about what's actually right. Is it's that- like that matched with like, oh, I found this archived interview with Craig Bartlett from oh, 1999, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. which is where I went on that, like threw down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll, they would do like have a thought and then the good people like present mm-hmm. evidence to mm-hmm. back up mm-hmm. the thought, which is like a really wonderful thing That's to do great. in a conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not shitty, but it's like also kind of scary and, and and, and every dark as the dark. as the, the interwebs is. I'll go into how it was dark later. I just had cool. to get that off my chest about the internet. Oh, okay. So the first episode is the spelling bee, um, which is uh, like right off for me. My gut finishing it is wow. What an interesting perspective of of like family life for both Arnold and Helga. Um, the plot is uh, fine, I guess. It's um, uh, there's a spelling bee in town, and the 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 winner gets $500 um, and it actually gets down to Arnold and Helga um, in their class. And so their teacher sends them to this like, uh, you know, citywide or countywide um, uh, spelling bee. And um, the night before you kind of, you dig, you get to see Helga's family life a little bit more. So we have met big Bob already and he's clearly this like passive, um, uh, emotionally absent father um and in this you see him what there's something at stake for him and so he dives in a lot deeper in motivating helga to win this spelling bee you he was so he he's a selfish is the word selfish yeah yeah. (laughs) he's uh he's the beeper king um comes out that he you know there's this commercial that with these like long-legged ladies singing about big bubs beepers and um uh, then at the very end of this commercial, Bob comes out and says, "If, if my, what does he say? If, if Helga loses, yeah, you, you get a free beeper. Yeah, basically like offer, like offers his daughter as yeah. tribute. Basically, like yeah. my daughter will win, and if she doesn't, then you get a free beeper. And uh, then it like cuts to Helga sitting on this like director's chair with lights shining on her, and she's holding a dictionary, and he's like drilling her all these different words." Um, and he actually like walks her through why this is so important, brings up her sister, kind of, you know, compares the two, uh, says, you know, if Olga can do it, you can too. Um, and that sounds slightly more supportive. It was more digging than that. Like Olga won, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like you better win too. Oh, there definitely was some comparison stuff, which I like, there's a lot (laughs) to talk about there, but in short, he is pressuring her to win. Um, and she she's like kind of accepting it, like kind of taking it a little bit. Um, and so you can tell that this is normal for their family. Um, and then, you know, it very quickly cuts to Arnold, who also is struggling studying, but he's getting kind of a more supportive take from his grandpa who comes in and says, um, like, oh, wh- no matter what you do, like, we're proud of you, grandson or whatever he says. Um, maybe he calls him Arnold. I don't know. Semantics. Um, and then it cuts to the next day and they're both at this. Uh, spelling bee, um, and it gets down to just the two of them. Um, I mean, there's like kind of cool characters in there. Like, I know you were, didn't you say like you love the animation of all these other like random? Yeah, the secondary characters are always like animated so different than the main characters, yeah. where they are, like look like simpletons, but there's also something like adorable and strange about yeah. the way that they animate them. I, it's yeah, it's, I, it's one of my favorite things about the show actually. Yeah, and and they're definitely just secondary characters. They're meant just for filler. They they lose, and then it gets down to Arnold and Helga, and Bob goes off stage and basically tries to bribe Arnold into 
taking the fall. Um, and oh, by the way, Arnold wants to spend the five hundred dollars on this like really sick uh, like keyboard <laughs> so he can win over Ruth McDougal. He yeah. has like flat like uh, uh, these visions of like playing for her, and she's laying on the piano. Yeah, it's um, badass. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty hip and groovy. Uh, Arnold ends up uh, like crumpling up the the check that Bob gave him, and he get he gets the word, and then it gets to Helga, and it's the same word that Olga won with, um, her sister Olga won with, you know, a decade before or whatever. And Bob is so stoked. He's like, "Yes, she she's heard this story a million times." And then Helga sees the five hundred dollar check crumpled up that Bob was using to. Um, try to convince Arnold to take the fall and Helga ends up um, Helga ends up taking the fall to kind of spite her father and let Arnold win Um, so she she loses with the word that Olga won with and you know Bob goes nuts and uh, Arnold is really excited to win and he he's walking out with his grandpa and grandma and Gerald and says I hope I hope Helga's not taking it too hard and Helga's like dancing on the top of the library staircase or whatever and he she's saying i'm free i'm free and that's the that's the episode i guess to throw in two helga is realizing that there's a moral dilemma that her love will lose and she'll win or if she loses bob's gonna get pissed at her and so the whole time she's kind of deciding do i want to win do i want this or not um and so her making that like autonomous decision i'm going to lose on purpose kind of allowed her to be free and that that's her last statement so that's that's the episode yeah, when so I watched the episode and I had like certain thoughts about it. And then as I was doing a bit of research and I was reading like that dorky Nickelodeon for or sure. uh, ask me anything about uh, with Craig Bartlett, he said the way that he designed they designed the city, which I thought this applied very nicely to this episode, was that it's an urban environment and they go out at night and they go out during the day and they go without without anyone actually worrying about them really or telling them not to. So the way they designed the city was in this ideal way, um, like kids can kind of do whatever they mm-hmm. want whenever they want, <laughs> and so. That's like kind of like a surface level version of autonomy, I guess, mm. is like being able to do what you want whenever you want. Mm. But then in this episode specifically, they toy with that idea like at a deeper level where at first Helga does, is not making decisions at her own. Her dad is really pressuring her. But then later on in the episode when uh, she sees the crumpled up check that was intended to be mm. given to Arnold to bribe Arnold and she decides to go against her father and lose on purpose... It's like she's, yeah, like regaining her autonomy. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. the same thing that these kids are all really interesting because they do seem to almost do what they want whenever they want. And there's like empowering times when that happens. Like this episode really deals, I think, with that uh, empowerment that can come along with autonomy. And mm-hmm. then there's uh, other times where it seems kind of like they're just rambunctious kids like running wild. Um, and I thought that was like, like a, a fairly good way of showing, yeah, like Helga... And Arnold actually recognizing this like ethical moral dilemma Mm. and deciding to rise against it, yes, up against it, and like do the better, more moral and ethical thing. Yeah, it's it it is cool that they both are presented with that moment of like, what do I do? What's the right decision here? And they they both I think they both make the right decision. Oh, Um, totally. Yeah, I mean, Helga's is a little bit out of spite, but it still is like teaching her dad a good lesson. I think that. Um, not like I'm going to teach you a lesson, but like, it's not angsty. It's like, there's something there. It's like mm-hmm. loaded. Yeah. It's really oh, good. Absolutely. And I, so something I've been, I've been, uh, listening to a, 
to an audiobook um, by Brene Brown, who she studies shame and family dynamic and vulnerability. Um, there's a, uh, a talk she does called The Power of Vulnerability. And she talks a lot about um, things that hold people back from success, what holds people back from vulnerability and openness and wholeheartedness. And she talks a lot about comparison. And I was listening to that just yesterday, and I had watched this episode the day before, and I was thinking, like, this is this this episode is so much about familial comparison and f- familial um, expectations. Helga is the system that she's in is that her family is full of winners. Um, you know, she she gets picked up by her dad and like shown all these trophies that her sister has won, and he's, he's he puts a lot of lot of pressure on her and and has told this story a million times. Like, oh, he, she won with the word qualm, and there's a funny moment of um. Uh, him saying that and Helga mouthing it um, because she's heard it so many times, and I think that I I guess in com- I guess the like comparison uh, I know I'm saying comparison twice in the same um, like conversation, but the comparison culture that Helga is a part of, where she's never good enough unless she matches what her sister's already done, that is paralleled with um, Arnold's relationship with his grandparents. And there's this great moment where, um... Hey, what's bugging you, short man? I don't know, Grandpa. It's just... I don't think I have a chance to win this thing tomorrow. Oh, now listen, boy. You know your grandma and me will be proud of you no matter how good you do. You don't have to prove anything to us. So his grandpa talking to... Grandpa talking to Arnold is showing this, like, really sweet, like... What you... Who he, he even I'm I'm thinking of an episode before where he says it's not who you are on the outside it's who you are on the inside and it's a similar kind of um, care where he's saying I don't care if you win or not we're gonna be proud of you either way and that's a that's a really nice statement compared to who Bob is to Helga which is this really intense like you better do this it's it's kind of crazy I don't know yeah it's definitely not like a healthy dynamic and I think that there there's like an obvious pressure that's given in like a spelling bee already. And the fact that these kids are deciding to participate in it and actually are taking it seriously and shows that they are like, okay with confronting that sort of competitive element and putting in the time and the effort. But it's when the parents get involved, uh, Mm -hmm. which is like true with a a lot of the story. I feel like uh, it gets a little bit more cloudy and confusing as to like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And you realize the spelling bee itself is not actually bad. It's like the parental involvement. So another kid who's like a secondary character uh, spells is really like a difficult word. And as he like claps, like in excitement for getting the word right, his earpiece falls out. And then there's a scene cutting to his mom in the, uh, yeah, in the yeah. van and she's like reading him the words and he gets found out by a uh, like a teacher or whatever teacher yeah. that looks just like Hillary Clinton to me oh, and cool. um, uh-huh. vote for no uh, down. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um, yeah that um, that he's cheating and then the kid like gets disqualified of course right so you see like that kind of like stage mom type thing and then with Hel- Helga's dad you see like the stage dad type thing yeah and yeah. so yeah it he- just Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. It just ruins sort of like the good that could come from that situation. Yeah. He calls it he calls it a Pataki moment, the moment when yeah. Olga won. And so to me, to me, a Pataki moment for Bob means that you don't screw up. That's, yeah. what, that's the expectation he's putting on Helga. Um, and I, I think that's a really accurate portrayal of probably what she's felt her whole life. Um, 
and and in a few episodes we'll we'll get to meet Olga and see that um like firsthand how she reacts to this crazy pressure from her older sister um so it's cool to get just a little bit of that now to see what Helga's pressure has been like um, and she and you know what Helga feels the weight too and there's another another moment um where Bob offers her um like a good luck charm and Helga really feels that weight and one other thing we got beepers riding on this thing so when you're up there wear this around your neck okay but dad this is Olga's medal I don't need this just wear it for good luck honey Ugh. yeah and, and Helga's um and Helga's uh you can hear it in her voice the actress does a good job the actress does a good job portraying that Dad, this isn't mine. It's Olga's. And she's trying to make an autonomous decision. She's trying to say, I am not Olga. I am me. Um, it, it's an identity thing, too. And, and one of the running gags, which is really funny in the show, is that Bob always is calling Helga Olga. And so I think in her, this, is, this is kind of the first example of a long, a long running gag that is so funny and also so sad because Helga is trying to say, no, Dad, I'm Helga. And yet he, you know, he... He's willing to not only put the weight on her, but he's also willing to forget who she is. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if we discussed this before, but it's funny what they do like in the bit of storytelling in that moment is he gives her the medal, and the medal's so heavy that it like drops her neck yeah, to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it sort of, yeah, shows like that she is not capable to hold the weight, the, like the burden, essentially, of the comparison. Yeah, yeah, she, feel, she feels the weight of that comparison, and she's yeah, trying to reject it. And you, you hear the clunk, and you see her you know, lower her head trying to hold it up. And her making the decision, instead of failing on accident, she fails on purpose, which I think is a really strong, independent move. Totally, and yeah. she, yeah, and she at the very end, um, Arnold says something like, "I, I, I hope that Helga will just handle the loss, you know." Uh, okay, hope she's taking it. I hope okay. she's taking it. Okay, yeah, and then you hear in the background screaming, "I'm free! I'm free!" And she's dancing around. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, she's been relieved of that burden and that stress, so now she can be Helga instead of trying to be Olga. It's an interesting conversation on freedom and on autonom- autonomy. Um, and I, I, I love the Pataki family because they really are so complex. And it, every time you see a little bit of her family, you, I understand her a little bit more, um, why she is the way she is from such intense parents like that. Yeah, she's, it's like reactionary. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, there are other, I think that's, there, the other thing that I liked was at the very beginning when the teacher kind of says, good luck, Helga. She goes, I'll, I'll win like I'm supposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is well, her, like, her father's like stress. <laughs> yeah, she already knows what this means, that she's getting into spelling bee because of her sister's win. Yeah, yep. That's awesome. Um, so th- this is a great episode, but we got an even better episode to talk about. A classic. This is an uh, animated masterpiece, Pigeon mm-hmm. Man. Um, I've had so many friends who are like, when are you going to do the Pigeon Man episode? Because this is such a... It's a beautiful episode, and not to jump too far ahead with a cry of the week, but when I watched it, I, I actually cried. I actually cried. That's real. Um, this is a beautiful episode about um, uh, trust and friendship. Acceptance. Acceptance, hope, um, uh, healing. And kind of like, what does it feel like, and what does it mean when you feel like you've completely been rejected? Mm. Because that, like, acceptance is one thing, but feeling and knowing the rejection, 
yeah. that it's happening, like that feeling and how you respond to it, I think is like, well, it's what ends the episode ultimately. But yeah. So this is, yeah. Pigeon man starts off with Arnold uh, and his carrier pigeons. He's trying to send a message to Gerald uh, and he sends his bird Chester who has this nice heart shape on his chest. That's a nice, nice visual symbol of relationship already. Um, and Arnold's this like sweet kid, so you can already tell how much he loves these birds. Um, but Chester, the guy, the bird who's going to Gerald, is seem, seeming a little bit loopy. And a few minutes later, it cuts to Arnold with his friends saying, where's Gerald? Chester should have gotten that message forever ago. And then they see Chester fall from the sky, and they, they catch the bird. Um, Gerald's gotten here at this point, and everyone's saying, oh, what are you going to do, Arnold? And someone says, you could take him to Pigeon Man. And everyone's like, does the, the gasp, oh, no, not Pigeon Man. And, and once again, we get Gerald, the keeper of the tale. And, oh, it like th- this side, I mean, this is another running gag, I guess. But it, it gets richer and richer each time. I love Sid saying, uh, or no. They like Gerald, lean into it, too. Yeah, Gerald says, um, uh, lay it on me, lay it on me, Sid. Yeah. And, you know, then Sid does the same thing. Or, no, he says, lead, lead me in. That's what he yeah, says. Yeah. And Sid does the, you know. This has been passed on from kid generation to kid generation. Um, and so we're thinking again about what is other, what is, um, what is man, what is beast. Uh, you know, similar to um, the Haunted Train and to the, the guy on the, um, uh, what's, the, what's the mobster's name? Um, Weez and Ed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, These are all, it's a similar trope of this mysterious other that, um, you know, Gerald lays out three, three things that he possibly could be. An alien, a guy who eats... Uh, bugs and worms or a crazy deranged lunatic who lives in the top of a abandoned building but either way all the kids know that there's something up there that takes care of birds and Arnold decides I love this bird I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take it up to him uh, and see if he can fix it and so Arnold goes up to the top of this building and he you know gets chased by a bunch of pigeons and then he sees this kind of man carrying these birds his back's facing him and Arnold says like three or four things. He doesn't get any response back, really. He um, he says, my bird's sick. Can you help him? I don't know what's wrong with him. And then finally, um, he says one thing. He says, come back tomorrow. And Arnold says, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. Same time. Thanks. And then he leaves. And so he's talking to the kids. The kids are like, oh, is he crazy? Is he a loony? And Arnold says, no, he's nice. I, you know, I think he's going to help my bird out. So... He does, you know, he goes back the next day and has this like wonderful, like life giving mentorship type of conversation with this, um, this bird loving dude, uh, who is, he, he basically has healed, uh, the, this pigeon, um, and Arnold thanks him and hears a little bit about his life and then invites him to dinner basically. And they, um, they share a pizza together. You find out more about this guy's life. Um, which we'll go into detail, I'm sure. Um, but while they're eating dinner, Harold and Stinky, and honestly, I, this third character is like never in the show, and I don't know his name. Um, but these three kids, uh, they decide to be real jerks. I mean, real the, like the worst thing that they could do. Um, they go up to the top of Pigeon Man's roost and trash not, yeah, trashes it. It's heartbreaking. And um, they run away. Arnold and Pigeon Man come back. His name's Vincent, by the way. We can call him Vincent, I guess. Uh, they get back, and 
he just sort of like quietly shuts down and Arnold's like, who did this? Let's rebuild. We can do this. And pigeon man says, no, there's, I'm done. I'm, I don't trust people anymore. Although you've, he's then says to Arnold, you've proven to me that people can be trusted, just not these people. So I'm going to go. And he kind of does this dramatic uh, exit where pigeons pull at these ropes um, tied to his body and then he flies towards the sun and says a few beautiful lines. He says, um, always wash your berries before you eat them and fly towards the sun. And then that's that's uh, the end. That's saying so long to Pigeon Man. So there's an interesting bit in there where w- before he goes to meet Pigeon Man and he's talking to all the kids about potentially going up there, Helga says, or and, <clears throat> and Gerald also said the same thing. Like, he's insane. He's a crazy person. And then Helga, <clears throat> sorry, Helga says something like, oh, you'll, you should get along with him fine. And at, like at first glance, that seems like a dig, like she's calling him crazy. Hmm. But because when you couple that with the whole thing of uh, um, Gerald asking Sid to lead him in hmm. and um, him telling that great story, like there's like a formula here, which is like Sid is the gatekeeper and then um, uh, Gerald, Gerald is like the, the orator. Yeah. And then Arnold is like the one that seems to be able to like make a connection with almost mm. any crazy, strange, wow. other type character. Wow. And so in the moment, I was like, that didn't seem like a dig. It almost seemed like that whole scene was kind of like setting us up and them realizing like what their role is mm. at, wow. within the community and within the show, kind of. It was, re- it was a really weird like little insight that I felt. That is so interesting. That That is... And and that gimmick comes up over and over in the show that Arnold is this like fixer and he's, um, you know he's uh, he connects with other people. But I think you're right that it it didn't sound like it did. She kind of just goes, oh, actually, you might get along with him. Yeah, because she knows that he'll get along with anybody. Well, exactly, and she loves and cares about him, even though he doesn't quite know that. Mm. Um, so she sees him in this great light. So it's like, why wouldn't he? You know, he seems to be this this mm. type of fixer type, um, pretty open minded character all along. Why not now? Kind of. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I have a lot to say about friendship and trust and and taming and building building relationships, but I don't know. Is there what, what are some things that popped out? Well, for before you? we go to that nice thing, I want to take it on the dark side. Really, all right, dark side. Then I'll I'll <laughs> rein it in, be a little more realistic here. So there's go like a, there's like a monologue at the very end from the Pigeon Man, and I'm going to call him Pigeon Man because it has a nice yes, like, I get ring it. to it. His name is Vincent. Vincent he, yeah, he has a christened yeah. name. <laughs> The humanist in me wants to say his real name, but (laughs) for these purposes, I'm not going to. So he gives like this bit of a monologue about like, um, if there's like a broken wing, I'll be there. If there's a mangled beak, I'll be there. And like gives this sort of like Mm. Christ-like, Gandhi-esque type, like, um, yeah, like giving figure uh, monologue. And so I typed in the old computer, like, what is that from? Because it sounded so familiar. Mm. And I don't think that it's from anything, but it's just such a like... Mm-hmm. Uh, like a bit of a like not trick, but it's just like a thing that we commonly hear in storytelling. And um, to see if there, yeah, there were any there was any matches for that monologue. And I ended up coming up to Reddit about the ending scene, which is the ending scene is like this great scene, yeah, where they pull up these like levers on his back and they like fly him into the sunset. And I didn't read it as this, but somebody was asking if what really happened in the show was that. Arnold witnessed a suicide from the pigeon man and then his childlike way to like deal with that was that he he like implanted this vision of like this guy flying off with these birds into the sunset yeah, which yeah. doesn't make any sense and then 
all of these comments below, like basically in a very kind way, actually saying like, I never thought about it like that, but I don't think so. And then somebody pulled an interview with Craig Bartlett and basically just said like the Pigeon Man character recognized that he was um, like uh, not a part of society and had to leave because he was not welcomed anymore, essentially. And it made me realize what we do on the show is like really read really deep into Mm, the show and like say what the creators and writers meant to say. And then the answer probably is really fucking simple. And what I realized from reading the interview, people were like, all right, the moderator's like, we got a, you know, a bit of a doozy of a question here, Craig, you think you can handle it? And he's like, yeah, I got this. And the question's like, why does Gerald always tell the stories? And then his response is super simple. Like, he's the order. He's the storyteller. And that's the end of it. Like, that's not a doozy of a question. Like, there's a really easy way to, like, you know, bat that question down. So it kind of made me question what we do here. Oh, no. No, 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 I'm just kidding. But it's still fun. And it's still a good thing to, like, pull from. And it's a great sort of show to, like, toy with. Uh, but it's hilarious because if he was listening to this, he'd probably be like, these guys, what are they doing? Yeah, it's so yeah. simple, but that's the know. nature of the beast. I guess the difference <laughs> is, like, I don't think we're just, like, doing theories about what actually was going on there. No, it's different. I, it's I think super different. we're doing, like, a like a social and cultural critique that yeah. it, we could do it about anything. And we could do it about... We're like, adding to it. We're, we're adding to it. We, uh, we're not just taking culture. We're making it, too. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, like, so dark. Um, I know, but it... it, it, it it like made sense after I read it right away when I was thinking of it, but then at the same time, it ma- like Craig Bartlett from his own mouth, it makes more sense that it's just like a visual way of showing that he is so much the other and has been shown that he does not belong that it is n- of no use for him to stick around. It's just going to hurt him. I think that's I, I think that's absolutely right. Like, even though that is a very basic view, if nothing else, that's what it is. It's him saying, "I don't want to be here anymore," and so I'm going to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been thinking a lot too about, um, uh, the way friendship is built in this show and, um, the way Pigeon Man talks about these birds, uh, is it, it reminds me a lot of, well, I want to bring up the little prince, which is a, a you know, French tale about, um, building relationships. But first I want you to listen to what, how he, how he talks about healing these birds. Chester doing? He looks great. How'd you do it? Time, patience, and the right berries. Thanks for curing him. Here, berries for Chester. He should take three every four hours. I want to see him in a week to make sure he's recovered. Chester's a good bird. How did you learn to talk to him? I've spent a lot of time with him. I trust them. They trust me. So the way he talks about you know, uh, giving these birds time, patience, little berries. There are two things I want to say about it. First is the way that Pigeon Man talks about pigeons is very similar to the way Arnold deals with Pigeon Man. Um, so, uh, you know, he, Pigeon Man helps these birds by uh, not rushing into it, um, having patience, feed, you know, feeding these birds, eating with them. And that's actually what Arnold does. He he doesn't rush into a relationship. When he drops off the bird, he's not a bully. He's not antagonistic. He just kind of... He reaches out with trust, hoping that trust is going to be returned. Um, and then he comes back and offers to feed, you know, feed this probably homeless guy, let's be honest. Um, but 
that's a nice mirror of uh, Pigeon Man making a relationship with the pigeons and Arnold making a relationship with Pigeon Man. And it reminds me a lot of The Little Prince, and I'm not... I've only read parts of it. Um, it's a very important short story about this guy who lands his plane in a desert and finds this uh, little prince alien, and this prince kind of travels around Earth uh, learning what it means to be in relationship, learns what it means to be human, even though the prince is not human. Um, and there's this uh, really wonderful, really wonderful chapter where he um, uh, meets up with this fox who basically says, will you tame me? Uh, which is another way of saying, will you create relationship with me? Um, and there are just some great things that I think are, I obviously I'm, I don't think that they were thinking about the little prince, but I think it, when they made this episode, but it is such a strong connection to me. I wanted to pull a couple things. Um, one is, uh, I want to make sure I read the right one. Um, so he says, he asks the fox, what does it mean to tame? Um, and it, he says it's an act of establishing ties. Um, and there's even a part where the fox, like, I can't find the exact quote, but the fox says, if you want to tame me, you need to come back at the same time every day. I need to be patient. It's going to take time. You're not going to be able to just hang out with me, but I want to know you. The fox says to this boy, I want to, I want to get to know you. I just don't know how. And so for me to actually trust you, you're going to have to repeat the same slow motions over and over again. Um, and I think Arnold is establishing ties by slowly entering into relationship with this guy. And a, an example that is a really nice pairing is Arnold saying, um, I'll come back tomorrow at the same time and doesn't get an answer from him, but then he does. He comes back the next day at the exact same time. And what that does is that says to uh, Pigeon Man, this kid is consistent. He he actually wants to build a consistent relationship with me. He can be trusted. And so not only by actually healing this bird, but then agreeing to go down to eat with this guy, Pigeon Man is saying, I actually trust you as a human, even though Pigeon Man has said multiple times, I don't trust people. Um, but in his actions, talking with Arnold, revealing a little bit about his life to Arnold, eating eating food over a dinner table with Arnold, those are unspoken ways of saying, I trust you. And then he caps off the episode by saying, I don't trust people, except you've kind of changed that for me. You've proven to me that people can be trusted. Some people. And it seems like he needed, throughout his life, more people like Arnold. And he just never really ran into them, which is probably where he got to the mm. point where he got to. And, and it's sad because everybody calls him crazy. And nobody actually knows what he looks like or his actual story. Mm. But you know just from seeing him, he looks so depressed. Yeah. And he looks so unhealthy. He doesn't look dirty. You know, he just really looks sickly and sort of sad. Yeah. And yeah. But you see, like, in little bits when he's interacting with Arnold, like, a life brought back into yeah. his face. Yeah. And so... It, there's that connection between like maintaining rela relationships and having relationships and how that affects like your health um, and how community is so important. And he's found community in these birds, but it's not the same as like a human connection. And he says he doesn't need this, the company of human beings. He's fine with the birds. But then when he starts to vibe back and forth with Arnold about like they went to the same school, like yeah, yeah. sharing these similar experiences, he like lights up in a way that is uh, really pretty much only occurs when you're having like right, a really intimate right. human uh, like a interaction like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there is something, though, about 
time. And the sad thing is, what if he had spent weeks and months with Arnold? I think of how much life it would have brought him because he, he feels alive with these birds. Mm-hmm. And he even says, that. he says, I trust them. They trust me. I've spent a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so sad um, that he, he kind of gives up when, when his place is ripped down, even with someone as genuine and real as Arnold is there in front of him, he still doesn't I, I think the frustrating part for me is he like is it worth is it worth being around people who don't accept you to find the people who do accept you? And I think part of it is he's an older man, obviously. Right. He's been let down a lot. He had something going. And to some degree it was fine until Arnold came into the picture. Mm, wow. Like he got to experience like the joy of knowing that there's a nice person in the world, but all of the things he constructed in this world that he constructed, even though it was very insular, like was going fine, you know? And then Arnold inadvertently screws it up by bringing the other kids from the neighborhood in. And that's how life is, though. Like, you meet some really great people, and then you meet some people that really hurt you. And it's it's important to, like, and this is, like, a given probably, but, like, to recognize, like, not all people are bad because one person or a few people did something bad to you. Like, there people are complicated. It's very nuanced. And that there's you never really should give up. But although he's met a nice kid in Arnold, he's a kid. Yeah. Like, this is, a, this is an older man. It's not like they can actually really hang out. Like, maybe they could, like, you know, shoot the shit every once in a while, but it's not like they can, like, hang out, hang out all the mm-hmm. time, just because there's such an age gap there. And he even said, like, I've seen you and your friends running around. It reminds me of when I was a kid mm-hmm. and what me and my friends mm-hmm. used to do. So you kind of wonder, like, seems like you were normal, quote unquote, then what happened to you? that set this whole thing off. And it had to have been something more extreme than he developed a a love for birds, which is what he says. And then he loses all his friends and then he becomes the pigeon man. Like there's gotta be something else. Maybe, but there, it's obviously a really extreme example of what can happen, but I think there's something to be said about maybe bullying and maybe like, like being disconnected. I don't know. It, It seems super sensitive too. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I think maybe that you're right. I think maybe actually just losing his friends was enough because the way that he views the way you should treat pigeons is so ideal. And so like, right, right. It's, it's like, yeah, you could do it, but it's like, you can't live your entire life, you know, at that high of like a moral and ethical level because you wouldn't get anything done because you're so right, worried right. about like tending to everyone and everything all the time. That's, vul- that's going to be disappointed. Yeah. That's a vulnerability though is. And I, I think looking at this character, you can be proud of him for opening up a little bit with Arnold. That's mm-hmm. a really great thing. But with vulnerability means that you're more prone to being wounded, right? Totally. Um, and so if, if he didn't meet Arnold and kids did this, what he would say is, I knew people were like this. All people yeah, are like yeah. this. And I think what makes it all the more... I think the comparison of these terrible kids with this great kid in Arnold, now that he's seen how good people can be, I think that makes it hurt even more. Yeah. He's like, how can, how can there be both? Um, it's easy to say people suck. Here's proof. But when something or, or, or with anything, not just people, but in this situation for him, he's having trouble. I mean, it's, it's beautiful because he sees how good Arnold is. But it still probably hurts a lot more to to be wounded in that way. I think totally. But I think it's that corny line of it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And I think that's sort of like 
he says that at the very end. No, absolutely. He's he's very grateful for what Arnold's done, but um, his re- his response is more visceral because he. I think the sadness when he says people did this, Arnold, there's this dejection that he was proven right and had to reveal that to someone who's cared for him. Um, well, and you see how like, it's not, I mean, I hate when people use this in some situations, but it's that like just a few bad apples thing, you know, it's like, it's not so like just saying people is such a broad collective term that like encompasses too mm-hmm. much. It was, yes, they were people, but they were only three people. You know what I mean? Right, right. And right. and I guarantee whatever people did him wrong in the past was a small group of people, too. And the people he could have interacted with his whole life, they would have easily been the minority. That would have truly right, hurt him. Right, right. But, the, but he doesn't see it as just a few people. He sees it as all people. And the pigeons never do that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting, too, I guess, is the way it ends, it's this juxtaposition of him running away from his problems and then also calling for hope um the last line is as he's flying away remember arnold always wash your berries before you eat them uh and fly towards the sun uh which to me even when i was a kid watching that i remember thinking it was very hopeful um which is weird because he's running away from his problems and he's like angry and sad um but it's a it's still a nice both both and well, that's why I think the the suicide thing sort of makes sense because it is a suicide to some degree. It's not like him hmm. physically losing his life, but he's ending what he had and what was what existed before is no longer there. Yeah. So, and I think it's cowardly to some degree, but it seems like a lot of his existence was pretty cowardly. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, but you also understand where he's coming from. That's like how suicide is. It's like, it's a cowardly act, but you understand why people would go there. You know what I mean? You don't want them to, obviously, but like you get it. It like makes sense. Yeah. It's so sad and there's, it's so complicated. And I I don't want to bring, uh, it's weird to bring in Christ figure right after talking about suicide, but it's, but it, it's so, I mean, I think it's maybe more of a Mary Poppins figure than Christ figure. Like wherever there's a burden need, I'll be there. It feels a little bit like, Mary Poppins saying, these birds are done. These kids are done. I'm going to go nanny other kids. But there's, there's a crucifix thing going on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, so and he, the light. Yeah, it was very flying towards the sun. And I, so drop the suicide thing, obviously. But thinking about him, like, I guess dying for a different cause, saying the life that has, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm like totally reaching, but him saying this life that you expect me to live, which is among people, I have a bigger purpose and that's to take care of birds. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I see that. I, to me, you, it's a stretch. You, yeah, I think it's not when you're saying there's a Christ-like imagery going on, right? Because he like does, it looks like a crucifix. He's yeah. like, the shape of a cross is going in the whole deal. And even the things he says. And I guess it's greater, like the, the, the caring for the birds is the, <laughs> the, the, is the greater cause. Yeah, but I think it, to me, it, it's like a blending almost. Yes, of, absolutely. Like absolutely. the cowardice of suicide, but also the this, purity mm-hmm. and like sort of selflessness of a Christ-like figure hope and a, yeah. mixed with like hope i guess yeah and arnold doesn't he's not it's ah it's very much like bird did you see Birdman? yeah it's kind of he looks at pigeon man like emma stone looks out at her dad uh when he's flying away that was the first time i ever saw a movie in those fancy movie theaters where they like bring you food and stuff and oh, i cool. was also drinking beer because you could buy beer there oh cool so my memory is a little foggy in that Film. It's, but it's, it's bas- basically Birdman is Pigeon Man, but um, on the big screen. And Zach Galifianakis is in Birdman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he yeah. should have been in here. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he would have been great. 
this is a perfect episode. It's like so. It's fantastic. The tone yeah. is exactly right. Um, you can feel it when you're watching it. You're like, this is fucking good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, oh, I think it's that time. It's that time again. <laughs> Cry of the week. This is an easy one, but you go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. So my cry of the week, which I'm going to give it three tiers, mm. which might be the highest amount of tiers I've given thus far. Um, How many tiers? Three. That's it? Out of five? Yeah. Yeah, three. Well, no, you're right. Four. Four Gosh, tiers. I, it's, not a full, it's not a full cry. It's okay. just five tiers. Four tiers. Four tiers. Four tiers. Four I just tiers. said three different numbers. Um, oh, it's actually the point when, as the viewer, you're watching the kids break the thing or break mm. the, the pigeon man sort of like thing he's cr- constructed uh, for to take care of the pigeons and take care of himself ultimately. Whoa. Um, I know. Sorry. This is deep. Um, but that to me was so sad because you have these simpleton, like just kind of stupid, angry, angsty kids mm. that are, it's so mindless to them what they're doing. Yeah. And they know that going in. He's like, wait, why are we doing this? He's like, you got to put the bird seed in one bag, another bag. It'll confuse him. And everyone's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And he's like, throws up this authority thing and is like, I'm the boss here. <laughs> You're going to follow me. And then it's all for nothing. And it is mm. completely useless, but it like crushes yeah. this other guy. Yeah. Which to me, that was so sad as you're watching it because you're like, this is mindless and needless mm. and depressing. That was, yeah, it's dang sad. And I, I mean, basically the whole episode is five cries for me. Oof. Five tears, which is a full, full cry. cry. Full cry. Um, I think the two moments that I, I'm going to say two because the whole thing is just a cry fest for me. <laughs> the first is when he first meets Pigeon Man, when he turns around and the music uh. really slows down and... You're expecting this crazy dude, and it, no, it's just a sad guy. Yeah, it, sad man. And and the music supports that, and then each move of his body after that, he's kind of this like Charlie Brown kind of character who's very he's very depressed. Clearly, yeah, um, clinically, clinically. So that's the first moment, and the second is when he's flying away. Um, mm-hmm. And I I wonder if that's when Arnold really gets him in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a romantic. It's a romantic moment that is nostalgic and sad and sweet. Um, and so I think, whereas that first moment is true sadness, my tears, mm-hmm. this is more of like a confused, sad joy, I guess. I liked your use of the word romantic because I feel like we view that in a very narrow, that word in a very narrow sense, mm. but it was romantic. But not like in a, not a love way in a, um, no, there's, it's not like lusty or like, I don't know. It's like a, that's a good word. It's the, you got words. You, you got a lot of words. A lot of words. <laughs> you see the moment bigger, bigger than reality, and that's yeah. what they—that's what they want. They want it was like sentimental. It was good. It's sentimental, but also larger than life it is, too. Yeah. Like romantic. This guy flying away on these yeah. birds. It's like crazy. It was good. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Let us gush for a moment, please. Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much for Pigeon Man. And. Jim Lang always with the music. He's yeah. always got the right music for the right time. We'll finish up with the the. It's a slightly different tune for the end of yeah. this episode, and we'll finish up with that. Um, but thank you so much for making it all the way through. Making it all the way through. It's a pretty <laughs> long episode. A lot, a lot to talk about. Please come back um, for our next episode. We'll have a guest. Yeah, we should. The Lord Courtney. willing. Yeah, we should have Courtney Halverson, which would be great. It'll be nice to have a ladies, beautiful ladies' voice on here. Yes. Thanks again for checking us out. Um, leave us reviews and ratings, please. And send us an email. That's fucking tight. I loved it. I yeah. loved us reading the emails. <laughs> it was so fun. Yes. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Arnold, don't be sad. 
You've taught me that some people can be trusted. And I'll never forget that. Where will you go? Somewhere I can live in peace with my friends. Don't you see? I have a mission to help pigeons everywhere. Wherever there's a bird in need of seed, I'll be there. Wherever there's a helpless flock suffering some abuse, I'll be there. Wherever there's a pigeon with a weak wing or a broken beak, I'll be there. Vincent? I just hope there's another Arnold where I go next. Man. <laughs>